at the time I really was just focusing on myself and I was really looking at something that I could, I could do myself that would help me out. And then when I saw that, like, look, I can pass this on to people and I can, and I can, I can build something with this and I can really help people with this. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We've got a special guest today, Mark Turner, uh, former Marine. Although I think when people hear your accent, they're going to wonder for which country. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> um, so tell me, uh, give me your background. Tell me how you ended up in the U.S. and ended up in the Marine Corps. So uh, my, I'm from Scotland, born in Scotland, uh, was raised there. My mother worked for an international uh, telecommunications company uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And she got an opportunity to basically come over here um, for work. And it ended up turning into us eventually, long story short, being able to stay here and become citizens and, and we emigrated and, and all that kind of good stuff. I'm from a really, really poor area in Scotland where there's not much opportunity for people. So, you know, the only thing I had seen or known about America was what you see in the movies and all that. So it was amazing to come here. It was, it's been amazing to be able to stay here and build a life here and all that. And, and I joined the, the military here, a couple of different reasons. Number one, I had a uncle who was in the British Army in the the Black Watch uh, for thirty something years, and always looked up to him. And he was like a mentor to me, um, and and wanted to kind of follow in his footsteps. I'd imagine if I would have stayed in Scotland, I would have joined the Black Watch um, just like he did. And uh, and then the second part of me wanting to join the Marine Corps was because it was kind of. I mean, it sounds cheesy as as all hell, but like it was kind of like my way of giving back, you know. Like I was, I was a teenager, obviously. So I was seventeen when I enlisted back in nineteen ninety nine, and um, I, you know, I was looking at going to military college as well. I was looking at VMI in the Citadel and got accepted to VMI, and kind of last minute decided, you know, I don't want to wait four years to actually be in the military. I wanted to be an infantry officer, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and it was just kind of my way of giving back. I think, you know, the country's given so much to me and, and my family. Um, and I don't know how I had that kind of insight back then as a 17-year-old, but I just kind of felt that urge to to join the Marine Corps and, you know, did some time in the infantry, did some time in the reconnaissance community. And then, you know, like many people had a, had a negative kind of transition period, you know, um, you know, I was I was involved in some, you know, heavy fighting and, and stuff going on back in 2004, 2005 in Iraq and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was young, young and stupid and didn't really know how to handle all that stuff. I'm, you know, I always give the, the military the benefit of the doubt and say they probably had programs and they had people we all could have talked to back then. We just maybe didn't know about it. I don't think the some of those issues that we see now with people coming out were very prevalent or publicized uh back then as they are now which is which is great that that people have these resources now but for whatever reason i didn't plug into that had had a rough go coming out and just kind of didn't know what i wanted to do did some contracting um but just kind of disconnected from everything you know um disconnected from uh the veteran community and and just kind of wanted to close that 
that book of my life and and try and open a new book instead of looking at it as I I probably should have just looked at it as a chapter and learn from it and grow and try and open a new chapter. And then a few years ago, I just kind of started to through some friends and and some guys I said with kind of plug back into to the guys and to you know to veterans and 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 all that kind of stuff. And that's what's kind of led us to to what's popped up and what we're doing today. So <clears throat> now the Black Watch is that like the Night's Watch from Game of Thrones? <laughs> you know what's funny if this was if this was two weeks ago i would have no idea what you're talking about because up until about two weeks ago i had not seen one episode of game of thrones mm. deployments will do that though right you catch up on stuff it's a lot of downtime yeah but my my thing too dan is like at the time when game of thrones was going on everybody everybody was watching it and mm. i tend to kind of be the person where like if everybody's watching it i don't want to watch it and i and i don't care i'll wait 10 years later and i'll go back and do it i did that with so many other shows but that was the reason i just never really and and it kind of was a it was a badge of honor thing like hey i've never seen an episode mm. but i have started watching it and i'm kind of getting into it yeah so. what's part do you like most is it the full frontal male nudity that you like the most <laughs> Because there's a lot, right? I mean, it's... There's, yeah, I, I think, it, it, again, it's one of those shows that I think is tries to go for the shock value of mm. stuff. It's like, this scene, does, this scene doesn't need to be like this for me to understand what you're trying to get across to me. You yeah, know? we call those uh, um, superfluous hogs. That's what I call them. <laughs> like, that dick didn't need to be there. Yeah, it's basically, you know, like, uh, I was talking, and they say, what do you think about it? I said, oh, a lot of boobs, a lot of dragons. You know, mm -hmm. like, that's kind of... That's kind of the show so far. I yeah. think I'm on the second second season or something. I mean, like that's that two time. things I like. So yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with boobs yeah. and dragons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, <clears throat> now you're doing uh, well between between uh, the military and what you're doing now uh, with with Overwatch, which we'll get into. Um, you did some uh, jujitsu and and won some things. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I've always, when I was in high school, I started jujitsu back in 1997. And uh, that was kind of back in the days when nobody knew what jujitsu was, mm -hmm. right? I, my, my first encounter with jujitsu, I wrestled in high school. I was a little bit decent. And uh, there was a guy who had been training six months jujitsu. And, and I always tell people, like, that's that's 1997, six months jujitsu. That's not like today's six months of jujitsu where you can kind of get up to not a decent level even in six months, but at least you'd know how to tie your belt in six months. And uh, he's like, okay, do you want to spar and all this? I'm like, okay, jujitsu, it's some kind of karate. I'll just take this guy down and that'll be it, right? And so that's what happened. I took him down, no problem. But then he starts armbarring me and triangling me. And, you know, I'm like, what in the world is this? And so I started training there was only a few places to train. I live in the Chicago area and uh, there was only a couple of places back then to train. And so I just got involved and I loved it. I, I did it all throughout my military career and afterwards. And then um, kind of used that a lot during, you know, when I was finished in the military to say, this is something I've done. This is something I like. It's something that I'm sort of talented at. I'm going to plug myself into that and, and, and start seeing what I can do. And, you know, met Damian Maya, uh, just kind of through happenstance and we became friends um you know damian maya this was before he was in the ufc obviously before he had won adcc or anything like that um he had only been a black belt for a year or so and so it was way back in the day and uh and then he just kind of became my coach and and we were you know was with him through all the ufc success that he had an incredible career obviously and um and then yeah i started competing really hard there was a year um 
2018, I competed 41 at 41 different championships. So I was on the road for 41 weekends out of a 52 uh, week year. And um, yeah, I did. I mean, I did quite well in the Masters division. You know, I've won six national titles. I've placed at the at the Worlds and at the the Pan Americans and and. You know, it's it's been uh, you know I was ranked as high as as tenth in the world in my division. I've, it's just jujitsu, something I love, and you know, Damien pushed me to start teaching many many years ago, and I started teaching four guys. They asked me if I if I would teach them. I said no, because I was too busy kind of focusing on myself and my own training. And uh, now my academy is close to four hundred students. Do you think that um, now a lot of people are getting into it more now? But do you think it's uh not just i guess there's a there's a lot of different things that benefit people who are in uh i guess a period of of transition when it when with regard to career or purpose or anything like that but you know the discipline uh i think there is something about physical contact with other people that helps but also you know starting to uh starting to mentor people again in the same way you did when you were in the military. I think that's something people miss a lot. I mean, it's, you know, we, we, it's, I feel like we've, we stopped short a lot on diagnosing some of these issues. We're like, well, I moved away from my tribe now and I'm back in my regular hometown. Uh, and you know, just don't have that same sense of camaraderie. And certainly that's part of it, but what was it exactly about the camaraderie that made it special to you. You know what I mean? I think people don't take that next step and ask that question. I think part of it is, you know, learning from and teaching people because as men, that's kind of what we're called to do, you know, just to be mentors to people. No, I I think you're right. And I think, um, you know, when I, I, I was using it, I'm kind of one of those people that if I get involved in something, I'm usually completely in. Right. And it, and it consumes me. It's kind of like, I don't do bow hunting because if I did, that's all I would do. And I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. I can't, if I pick up something like that, it's game over, right? I'm going to do it until I, until I can do it at what I would consider a high level. And at the time I really was just focusing on myself and I was really looking at something that I could, I could do myself that would help me out. And then when I saw that, like, look, I can pass this on to people and I can, and I can, I can build something with this and I can really help people with this. And and jujitsu is an incredible thing. I mean, obviously there's the sport aspect, there's the self-defense aspect, but it's it's like an incredible puzzle and it's it really is addictive because every day it's something different. Every day there's a new challenge. And and I was like, I can help people, I can help people figure this out because I've I have some experience in this. I can cut not cut corners for people, but I can really kind of change that learning curve for them and and really help them and and that's kind of what made me fall in love with teaching and then building a team you know like we at first all i wanted and, and many jiu-jitsu instructors make this mistake i think is they think if they can create world champion after world champion it's going to bring notoriety to them or to their academy or something and that's just not true in jiu-jitsu it's just it's not the way things are set up um you know we have multiple world champions multiple people that i've graduated from white belt all the way to black belt it that's not what makes the academy so good it's it's being able to take somebody invest time effort and and see them come through a process and help them along that process and and see what they the rewards they get out of it you know so i think there are a lot of veterans who are plugging into it now because it does connect very well to a military kind of someone with a military background 
um, for for tons of reasons. Obviously, the team, the the camaraderie, camaraderie, but that that puzzle, that trying to solve that puzzle, trying to get yourself to the next level, trying to be better every day. All those principles are there with jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. So. <clears throat> Uh, I'm sure that's a huge part of the draw, whether they know it or not. Sometimes things just become a fad um, and people get involved in it and benefit from it, which is great. But I do think there's something about that, you know, what you're discussing there, that draw, that actually does literally draw people to it. Because, you know, as men, it hits on a lot of points. As men, our job is to provide for and protect our families and communities, right? Baseline. But as leaders... Our job is not just to lead; it is to create new leaders. That's that that is the the crux of leadership, in my opinion. It's why we, you know, in the very early parts of your military training, you're taught to learn the job of the guy below and above you, right? Like you should know right. you 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 have to be able to operate in 360 degrees, um, and stuff like that only works if you have good leadership. I've been in units, uh, or I've been in situations where I had good and bad leadership, and it's night and day. And it's something that we desperately need in this country now. We don't have it's it's like we saw how bad the leadership is in our political system and the upper echelons of our military and everybody was just like well if nobody's going to lead fucking i'm just not going to participate but when the answer is in the absence of leadership it is your turn to lead right yeah but let me let me stop you there though let me say this is and this is something that hit me like a ton of bricks kind of during the whole 2016 and then you know for the next four years kind of thing regardless of of who is in office you just kind of started to see this was our i I don't believe that our elected leaders i i don't know how that word got in there i don't think they're i don't think they're supposed to be leaders right Mm -hmm. because here's the deal they're supposed to work for us They're, they're supposed to be almost employees of us and and Calling them saying, well, that guy's my senator, that guy's my congressman, or that guy's the president. Calling him a leader, it takes away that role from the average citizen, I think. And I think that's where we've went wrong. And it's been okay as long as nobody's been trying to take advantage of that. And and the advantage of that misstep or that that missing piece in, in our society and in our culture. But now we, I think we do have people who are knocking at the door, trying to take advantage of, of some of these things that are out there. And that's a huge one, like expecting that these people that we elect are our leaders. It's like, no, look, you're there to do a job. And if you're not doing the job you were elected for, we should be firing these people. And we're, and we're not doing it. And, and people don't understand that you can fire your politicians. They just think, oh, well, we're stuck with them. There's nothing we can do. It's like, what do you mean there's nothing you can do? They work for you. Well, sort of, right? They sort of work for us. I mean, they're, they, supposed, they don't, to. they're supposed to. Yeah, they don't actually do it. Um, right. Yeah, it's, it's uh, certainly I don't think of um, anybody in Congress as a leader. Right. Right. I mean, they're just a bunch of cunts from my perspective. I mean, that's why, you know, I made uh, – I have this brand actually called All Politicians Are Cunts. I just think they're the worst people in the world. And it is, it's a, it's a problem, right? That's, it's why I, I say that in the absence of leadership, you got to lead because <clears throat> it is a problem for humanity that people who deserve power very rarely desire it and people who desire it very rarely deserve it. You know what I mean? There's something pathological about the desire for power. And it manifests itself in the most horrible ways throughout human history. You know what I mean? It's like 
you, we have that one friend who's like a goddamn Australian shepherd, just motivated, pinging all over the place all the time. But that's not the person you want making decisions in crunch time usually. No offense to those people, but, you know, a more, you know, logical thought process usually prevails. Now, you want that guy on your front lines to fight for sure, right? You want him to be able to execute yeah, like orders, the, but. It's like the George Washington thing, right? I mean, what an incredible guy that was because they wanted him to stay on you know, the, everyone was pushing for him to stay on, and he and he said, "No, mm -hmm. I've I've done my part. This is not how it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to stay on." You know, it's it's back to the people, and and he could have stayed on and been basically a king, mm -hmm. right? And 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 to me, that's a leader where you see these politicians now, like you said, and they'll do anything to stay in there. You know, they'll do anything to stay in there for for the benefits that they get that obviously are afforded to them as being a, a member of Congress or, or whatever uh, position they have, but also they'll stay in there for all the kind of extracurricular benefits that they get and they'll do anything. Mm -hmm. And and right, that's not, that's not the qualities of a leader at all. And just, just on that, we should be able to recognize that when we see it. Yeah. You know, it's um, <clears throat> so we can jump into it. So I work with save our allies a lot. You've got overwatch yeah. foundation USA these are two, like, I, I've had conversations with people about this. Uh, and just for brevity's sake, some quick context. Um, these two organizations go to conflict areas and get people the fuck out of them, right? There, there's a lot more to it than that, obviously, but let's just say that for now. Um, yep. And I've had conversations with people, and they will say things like, you know, how can I help, blah, blah, blah. And then on the back end, it's like, well, this shouldn't even have to exist. Our government should be doing this. Like, well, should they? Like, do you, how much trust do you want to put in these guys? How much? Because every time you give them a little bit of power, they use it against us. You know what I mean? Uh, one of the things I tell people on a regular basis is if you are someone who um, prefers small government, there's only one real way to achieve it. Electing politicians who lie to you and tell you they're going to shrink the size of government is not going to do a goddamn thing. But if you solve problems before the government can get there, then you you can effectively box them out. They're, they're like Tinkerbell. Their power only exists if you believe it exists, right? If enough people believe it exists. So <clears throat> when the government shows up and nobody's got their hand out, then they don't have any power, right? So I think it's way better that private organizations, 501c3s, are doing these operations instead of the government, frankly. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been incredible for us, and and you mentioned Save Our Allies. Um, you know, we actually started off uh, me and a few guys before we were the uh, Overwatch Foundation. We did some work with Save Our Allies, uh, the Afghan uh, pullout. And, you know, it was it was incredible. And and first of all, the government wasn't going to do that. And second of all, if they were going to do it, they probably would have jacked the whole thing up. Oh, and yeah. so, you know, Chad and Tim and and those guys are just. It's incredible what what we can do when when you put small groups of people that just really care and really want to get stuff done. And look, I don't get paid at my foundation. We're we're fairly new. We're we're trying to build it up to where we can do this full time. Um, we're doing a lot uh, with what we have right now, but I don't get a paycheck for this. We do this because, and neither does my team. The teams and the guys that we take. They're, they're doing it because they they see the need they see that they can fill the need and they're stepping up and using their knowledge their experience and and these are guys that have all had military careers they all have kind of had the thing where the wife and kids now think that they're going to be at home and they're not going to be leaving on 18 hours notice and they're not going to be putting themselves in harm's way in some of these places 
And these are guys that are just rogering up to go help people across the world that, that need help. And and seeing it firsthand, um, obviously I'm involved in it, right? I'm kind of running an organization that does it, but but to be the fly on the wall as well and have that perspective, it's just, it's incredibly humbling and it's amazing. And I think, I think you're right. I think we need more groups like this and then we don't need the government for all the stuff that we shouldn't be asking the government to help out with anyway. Yeah, yeah, you're not, and just on that note, you're not going to tell a man who spent their lives helping other people in the service with other people not to go help people that need it now. That's just not going to happen. Sorry to the families out there, um, but you uh, know who you got involved with. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but that, that's not – I'm not throwing shade on it or anything. It's just the reality of the situation. And, you know, you mentioned before during your transition period that, you know, just the the juxtaposition of chapters versus books, right? Like you – you're not closing the book, you're starting a new chapter, but it's still the same book, right? You're still the same human being and you're still going to be fulfilled in the same way. You know what I mean? It, it is a, it's a real problem, I think. And it was, it was for me too. I got out in late 2010. It was a problem for me. I was like, damn, I'm just going to go relax now. I'm just going to go fucking mind my business for a little while and not do anything. And that was the dumbest shit I ever did in my life, to be honest. Like, hey, I'm a goddamn warrior, man. It's like, yeah, go go find some something to fight. It doesn't have to be combat, but go find somebody to serve. That's what we do. And I think uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know that. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. That rest period that we all think we need is, man. You should do it on a schedule. You should be like I'm going to take two weeks and hang out, and then I'm going to get back into it because um, the longer you sit there, the more useless you feel. And I think it's just, I think you start to spiral pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, for, for anybody listening who's kind of in that period, equate it to like working out, right? Sometimes depending on your your workout schedule, your body just might need two weeks off, mm. right? And that, that's okay. You're not a pussy for needing two weeks off. Sometimes depending on how you're training, you just need two weeks off. But now if that two weeks turns into four weeks, turns into eight weeks and, and turns into, uh, you know, six months, think of how you actually feel now. Right. I mean, you came off something that was you had this routine, you're working out, your body's all in tune. You re, you listen to yourself. You need a, a couple of weeks off and then you just let that prolong. I think that's what happens to veterans. They, you know, to, to use you as an example there, you say, OK, take take that little break. But imagine if that extends into weeks, months, years, and you just feel like you have no purpose. You mm-hmm. feel feel like you're struggling. You feel like you're lost. And yeah, and, and it, it's kind of true. You didn't have a plan. And and. You know, again, the the Marine Corps, the military in general, probably had some programs back then. But I remember, you know, you I remember coming off a deployment. It's like, look, we have nothing to do for this week. Where you have to go see the head shrinker every morning. We're gonna pee. You're gonna do whatever you need to do, paperwork wise, medical wise, and then the rest of the day off, right? And so when you go to those appointments, hey, is everything okay? Yep, everything's good. And you know that you can be at the beach by by one one in the afternoon. You know, if you just kind of say all the right things, you're young and stupid and you're not trying to build a plan. You're not listening to any financial advice. And next thing you know, two, three years after you could be you could be in a rough, a rough place. And and, and you know, I think that's part of the reason why we see so many of these veteran suicide numbers and everything as well. And and that's a whole other show that we should be taking mm-hmm. care of, um, you know, with, with 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 people that need help there. I just I just had a friend a couple of weeks ago that after after like 15 years decided to end it and you're like man you know like what could i have done or what what did he not see in that time period to the questions are just there and it's happening every day and i think having a plan we have a plan on everything we do in the military 
So to not have a plan when we're finished with that, just it doesn't make sense, but it just seems to be very prevalent. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I mean, this you, you said there uh, there was programs that were available that we didn't know about. I think that's there's some probably some truth to that. Um, I, th- I also think they made some pretty bad mistakes in who they chose to deliver those messages. You know what I mean? Because it was like, <clears throat> you know, just kind of a check in the box sort of situation. Your first sergeant or commander or somebody would be like, hey, you need to go fucking do this shit. They're getting, somebody's on my ass about it. You need to go do it. So it turns into a chore, you know, just go do it. And then you show up there and it's some DA civilian who's never fucking deployed, has no idea what the fuck they're talking about, to be honest. Um, They're they're just like, oh, fucking, you know, we've, we've found that this and this and this works. I mean, we've got millions of GWAT veterans. You know right. what I mean? There's no reason that that the entire program shouldn't be run and operated by them, people who actually know what the fuck they're talking about. Um, because I can tell you, if Chad or Tim or you or me or somebody like that goes into one of these, you know, uh, out-processing meetings and be like, hey, shit's going to get rough for a minute if you don't do X, Y, and Z, they're going to listen. If, you, if, if some little old lady, I mean, God bless her for fucking getting involved and trying to help and stuff like that, but if some old lady or... You know, some leaf-eating dude is out there trying to send that message. It is in one ear and out the other. Nobody's going to listen to that shit. The, the other thing, too, is I think, and, and, you know, Sean Ryan's show has been fantastic at showcasing this for people, is that, you know, you think you're alone. You think it's just you. Like, nobody else is feeling like this. Nobody else is lost. Nobody else can figure out what they want to do next as far as a job or can't figure something out with, with their wife or girlfriend. But then you see nowadays with with incredible podcasts and stuff like that and the media, like us using media to this degree, you see like, oh, wait a minute, his story is very similar to mine and so is his and so is his. And and then, you you know, you see them come out the other end of it and stuff. It's that can be very inspiring to people. And I know there are tons of, of very good veterans groups now who are are very connected to, to the, the PTSD and, and just transition type stuff and and different therapies and all that and and that's incredible i mean for sure they didn't have that back then you know they, they didn't mm-hmm. have that back in the the mid to, to late 2000s mm-hmm. they, they, they just didn't have it so now i think um the government's always looking to give their money away and with to all these different contractors and all this kind of stuff to figure out does a squirrel like to piss in the wind or against the wind they should be giving money to some of these organizations to come in and speak to these guys that are you know, getting ready to transition and and help them from while they're still sitting there in uniform all the way through until whenever it is that they feel like, hey, I really am good now Mm. and that money could be spent on someone else. And there's no, in my opinion, there's no reason that they shouldn't be doing that nowadays. This episode is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros. Ghostbed, it's the best bed in the world. It's the most comfortable sheets, pillows, the whole thing. I've got them all, man, and, you know, they wanted to extend their best possible offer to Drink It Bros. They've been with us for a very long time. So this is the email they sent us. We want Drink It Bros to get the best offer, so I updated the code for 50% site-wide. That's 50% site-wide. Use the code Drinkin' Bros, Drinkin' Bros with no G, for 50% off site-wide. Everything that you buy on this site is going to be 50% 50% off. Again, they get the best pillows, sheets, mattresses. They get the mattress protector. Uh, if you're if you're sloppy and spill things and you don't want to jack up your mattress, they have 
pretty much everything you need. They've got weighted blankets now. They've got the adjustable base, which we really like. I've got one in my home. So go to ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros. Use the code drink it bros for 50% off site wide. And don't forget about their page go plan. If you're with approved credit, you're going to be able to pay this thing off over the course of three to five years for 25 to 35 bucks a month. It's nothing. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros today and use the code drink it bros for 50% off. This episode is also brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. Dot com the best coffee in the world as a matter of fact they won both the gold and bronze medal at the golden bean awards this year for their exclusive coffee club entries in the elite category so the best coffee on earth literally was circus bear by black rifle one of their ecs so i recommend that you go sign up for the black rifle coffee club use the code citizen you're going to get those points off and uh you know you get all the benefits for being in the coffee club you get the free shipping you get access to all the partner deals uh, uh you get access to the exclusive coffee club you get access to any new products that come out before anybody else does you know it's a very large club that they have over there and the coffees are premium every single one of them is good uh you, you're going to get experience for you you can do just the plain coffee club and if you want your two bags of, of uh, espresso or your two bags of silencer smooth or whatever it is you drink you can get those two bags or one bag or whatever you want every month or and or rather you can use the ecs the exclusive coffee club and get access to some of the most premium coffees on the planet and kind of learn what it is that you like you know what i mean so then you can order those premium coffees from black rifle as well so and we all know they got the best branding the best merch and their buddies you know we're all friends here uh, we love Black Rifle. So go to BlackRifleCoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, or buy something. Do whatever you want. Um, use the code CITIZEN. You're going to get those points off. This episode is brought to you by FirstForm.com forward slash CITIZEN. Free shipping on all orders over $75 when you use the link. And you're not going to spend less than 75 bucks. I mean, they get the best products in the world, especially the OptiGreens. You know me. I don't eat vegetables um, because they're fucking pointless. So... I supplement with OptiGreens 50 from First Form. It is precisely formulated green superfood powder meant for overall immune system support and digestive health. It's really good, aside from just getting the daily greens into your body that you need, and make sure, by the way, you're taking this with MCT because you have to take anything like this with MCT. 80% of your immune system is located in your gut and your digestive tract, right? So healthy digestion is essential for overall health and wellness, not to mention that most of your serotonin, I think 96% of your serotonin or 94% is made in your gut as well. So you're going to be in a better mood. You're going to feel better physically, and you're going to feel better mentally if you are taking these greens. OptiGreen 50 has 50 chosen ingredients, uh, effectively dosed. It's not necessarily how many ingredients there are, though, but it's, a, it's about the right amount of each. Taste and texture are not like no other product in the market. It's not gritty. It doesn't have a weird flavor. It's got sweet berry flavors, actually. Uh, 100% of the greens are all grown and manufactured inside the United States, and they are bioavailable. Now, they've got other products as well. They've got the microfactor, which you see behind me on every show, uh, and I take them every day. You know, you got essential fatty acids, CoQ10, you get all the stuff you need in one little packet for your daily vitamin pack. And you mix that, you, you make yourself uh, uh, OptiGreens 50 shake, and you, and you take those pills with it, and you're gonna improve your life precipitously. You're gonna feel better, you're gonna look better, so on and so forth. So go to firstform.com, that's one S-T-P-H-O-R-M.com forward slash citizen, use the code, 
you're gonna get free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks yeah man i mean it's uh certainly that's an issue um and i I think also within the prescribed treatment process we miss on something because i know a lot of guys who've gone through a variety of different types of treatment and uh, programs for this stuff um and the the place I heard it articulated the best was actually in a in a fiction book by Greg Hurwitz, uh, who writes the Nowhere Man series. I'm not sure if you're a fan of that or if you read but books I like that. I've never heard of it. No. Uh, yeah, it's really good. But he so long story short, he's a former uh, ground branch operator who uh, who you know no no relationship with the gov anymore and he does his own stuff right and his his whole thing is like helping other people he fucks up bad people right and uh he, he always asks do you need my help um and then if he sees fear they'll get involved and at the end when he's helped the person he gives him his phone number and says give this to one person that really needs help right and mm-hmm. and and her what's in the book explains that <clears throat> that last act of empowering them to go back and serve their own community and help somebody else help the next guy is what that is the final scab coming off right that's sure. that's when you are really healed at that point and i feel like we've lost that like you know and it's easy to both programmatically and individually it's easily it's easy to be underwater for so long that as soon as you get your head above water you're like all right i'm i'm fine now i can worry about myself for now you know what i mean but that's not right. the answer it's not how we're built as people we just don't we don't operate that way it feels like, I guess it feels like a great relief to not be struggling anymore, but it is the struggle and how we overcome that that defines us as human beings, you know what I mean? So when you yeah. when you abdicate that responsibility, whether it's after ter- taking off the uniform or whether it's after you feel like you're in a good place in life, then you're going to get back to that bad place. Yeah, no, that's 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 fantastic. And and. This is one thing that I never really noticed, um, or, or not really noticed, but never expected to come out of what we do. So obviously we take veterans, we put them you know, in a team, and we go and we help people across the world to all kinds of varying degrees. I knew the guys had the, the, the knowledge, the skill, the ability, and the, the drive to be able to do this kind of stuff. What I didn't anticipate was how much they actually got out of it. Right, the reward they got out of it, the the kind of the camaraderie, the all, all that connection back again that they were going to get, and that's been an amazing surprise for me to see just kind of heading this thing up, and and so now what we're actually trying to do is get guys right from their EAS, mm. get them right as they're coming out as well, along with guys who have been out for an extended period of time. And look, all these guys that we have, they're all incredible people, right? They all have very good businesses. They're all doing well with their families. They're they're, they're amazing pe- people, right? They're just amazing Americans. And so getting these guys right from their EAS, I mean, look, on the last trip we just did to Israel a couple of weeks ago there, we had a guy, he's a, he's a, be careful how I say this. He's a current something mm. he's a current guy that does cool guy stuff and he actually was not supposed to be with us but that's between him and his command and um and he's he's at the point where he's kind of in that transition we've had other guys from other uh you know special operations organizations who are like hey i'm on terminal leave can i jump on something with mm. you guys um that one just didn't work out but that guy's actually coming on our next trip with us and he just eas uh about 10 days ago 
And he's jumping right in with an experienced team that's been to Ukraine, been to Israel multiple times. And he's, this is his first trip with us. And he's going to be exposed to some really good people that can help him as right as he begins his transition. And I'd like to connect in the future when we grow and we get to a point, I'd like to connect with some of these kind of post career counselors that the military has and say, look, if you have guys that you think could jump right into our team, connect them with us, mm-hmm. give them our contact, get them connected as you're sitting there saying, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to go into finance? Do you want to go into sales? And all these kind of bullshit presentations that they put to these guys. And it's just a check in the box class that you have to go to. I want organizations like mine to be one of those things that you can steer someone with. And we're able to give that guy an income and, and give him a group to, to use his skills. And, and obviously it benefits the people that we're going over to help. So, um, you know, I, I think it is up to us. We we've been through it. We've seen it. We've had the struggles. We know many other people that have had the struggles. We can't let that happen to these young guys now. Right. I mean, it'd be crazy for us just to sit back and 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 be happy with our businesses and the successes that we're having in life and not reach out to the next generation of of hard chargers that are coming out and are, are going to need help yeah i mean if you think about it from uh you know just the, the most obvious form of mentorship is being a parent right like there's no version of being a parent where it's acceptable to become successful as an adult and it's like leave your kids out in the wind like hey you guys will figure it out you know what i mean no you fucking teach them man what the hell are we talking about here so right. you know it's a critical part of the the process i mean we talk about we we have been talking a lot about rites of passage for young men into adulthood which don't really exist in the west anymore unless you're uh, maybe if you're jewish because of our mitzvah there's a formalized rite of passage but for the most part we just don't have those same rites of passage anymore um, but there are rites of passage from being a young adult into being a mentor adult as well. There's stages in life, right? Like now I have the wisdom because of my experience. And I mean, let's be frank, because of a lot of my failures, I have the wisdom now to help other people avoid some of the pitfalls I did, or maybe even help them amplify what they're already doing. Well, you know what I mean? That's a responsibility sure. to have that. You know what I mean? And the responsibility assumes that you're going to go teach other people you've got two hands for a reason one to pull yourself up and then one to pull the next guy up with you that's that's how it works you know what i mean right yeah and i i think really the only i i don't want to say the only right but you you see that very often in our kind of community we're not seeing it in regular life too much even between fathers and sons nowadays we're not really seeing it in mass across the entire country across different regions of the country we're not seeing it and then even in the veteran community you still have veterans that are just trying to shit all over each other's successes like i'm not doing well so but he is so you know let's try and bring him down instead of going like hey man you're doing really well can you help me if someone came to me and said it seems like you're doing okay can you help me out what am i gonna say no you know i mean it's it's unbelievable but if you come to me and you say hey you're doing really well i'm not f you well, I don't have the time of day for you. Like, and and I'm going to go help someone that that wants and needs help. And so, I think it's just a like a cultural mind shift change is what we need. Yeah, that's uh, you know I kind of organize this show around a list of principles, and one of them is I'll do something every day to help my country. My countrymen are all men, and it's it is a 
you know, it's like a bolo. It's a be on the lookout for opportunities to help other people. And it's, it is just about that. It's just about getting you into the servant leader mind, mindset all the time, right? Like you're yep. sitting, there's, there's some pretty obvious examples, opening the door for people or picking up garbage off the ground. Or, you know, I fly a lot, so I'm always looking around to see if somebody needs help with a bag or some shit like that. It's pretty simple stuff, right? And you, But what you'll find, what I found is that, the more that you do that intentionally, the more that you'll start to do it unintentionally. This is habit. It's habit building. You know what I mean? And it's really important in life. Eat the right foods. Get the right kind of exercise. Spend your time around the right kind of people because you will rise and fall to the level of person you fucking spend your time with. These are all like, it seems effortless once you once you do it. So people see people who do it well and it seems effortless that they're always out there on the run helping, you know, yourself, Chad, fucking Tim, people like this that are always doing stuff. Uh, Sarah Verardo, Sean Lee, people like this. Um, <clears throat> but it wasn't effortless at first. You know what I mean? Right. They, they chose to become that person that you respect. And you can choose to become that person that others will respect. That is a choice you make. And it's a choice that you make that will be deliberate and backed up by your actions over time. No, you're, you're right. And, and think about this too, the cycle that that creates, right? That action, that habit that you build that it creates. Sure, if you're at the airport and, and you're opening the door for somebody or you're helping them with a bag, like you're genuinely helping them, mm. like directly helping them. But if you were to think back to it, how good did you feel pulling that lady's bag down out of the overhead mm. compartment? Or, you know, you get something out of that as well. And and then that fuels you to do it more. And, and I'm not saying you're doing it for your own selfish benefit and that's not why to do it but what i'm saying is you going out of your way to help others will help you it definitely will yeah it's not it's not about being selfish like you should observe that though the fact that your body your brain is rewarding you for doing the right thing means that it is the right thing to do right like if you if you put your hand over fire it burns it hurts you're like okay i probably shouldn't do that but if you do something that's like all right that made me feel better all day yeah maybe do that thing right it's just the same thing with diet or exercise all these things are kind of fucking obvious if you, you know, take a beat. Because, you know, we, we have this tendency as human beings to hero worship a little bit. Like, oh, I, can't, I could never do what that guy does. Well, no, you can't. As long as you're saying that, you can't. Because what you don't realize is that, that people aren't born like that. It's not like Athena popping full, grown out of Zeus's head or anything like that. We, we, we were all pieces of shit at one point, right, uh, to one degree or another, uh, myself included. So it's like... <clears throat> it is what you do now in this moment that matters, you know? And, right. and I think the first thing is to realize, and I've got this on a little painting that's hanging in my bedroom. It's the first thing I see in the morning every day. And it says, it's not about you, right? That's all it says. And it reminds right. me that no matter how I feel good or bad when I wake up or what's on my schedule that day, it's like, all right, none of this shit's about me. Like if I do the right thing, me will be taken care of. I, I feel like, and I, you know, it's, I, I feel like it's almost a privilege to be able to think that way, but it wasn't always easy. You know, now I'm in a pretty good spot in life, but it wasn't always easy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, think, think of even what you said there about people who feel like they can't do something, right? Like get receiving no's. There's all kinds of sales trainings um, where people try to come up with, they have systems on how to uh, get around a no mm. and, and around a rejection. And it's like, to me, that's the wrong, that's the wrong mindset. It's like the node is just an opportunity to figure out how to get a yes, right? You're just, <coughs> if you, if you're trying to do something and the answer is no, you just haven't figured it out yet. I mean, 
I've obviously learned that uh, to an incredible degree with what we do. Like I, you know, being able to do what we've done in Ukraine and be able to do what we've we've done in Israel. I mean, Israel is very, very closed and and we're so well connected and we have such an amazing network there now that we've built over this last year that when this tragic thing happened here, uh, October 7th, we just were so well positioned to get there right away and start helping. Um, where if we would have tried to start doing something October 8th, you know, it would have been very difficult and, and we would have started getting no's then and, and then, then, then what, right? Then we get discouraged and we just say it's too tough to do that there. We can maybe just go back and focus on some other areas we're working, but it's, we wanted to build that and we started building it and we heard a lot of no's, you know, and, and to use Israel as an example, we got a lot of nobody's ever done what you guys are trying to do in our country here. So we don't really know what to say, or we don't really sounds good, but we don't really know how to make it work. And to me, it was, you know, we tried having things over zoom and meeting with these guys in Israel. It was like, no, let's hop on a plane. Let's get face to face and let us show you how we can make this work. And, and we've really built something special there. But if we would have just taken no for an answer or thought that we couldn't do it, think of, you know, you think of what we've done in Israel just in this short period of time since, you know, in a month since October uh, 7th, it wouldn't have been possible if we didn't, if we didn't, if we just accepted that no. So mm -hmm. people just accept no way too much nowadays and they wait until someone just gives them the yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's a difference between um, <clears throat> winners and losers, in my opinion. You know what I mean? I think it's a choice. Uh, uh, every selection process for any kind of military unit, whatever it is, is designed at, at least initially to see just if you're going to quit, right? Yeah. Like if there's quit in your heart, you're not going to make it because shit's going to get real. You know what I mean? It's going to get real right. here pretty quick. Um, <clears throat> but again, that's like, that's a choice you make. You know, you're not going to be the best at something if you have a backup plan you know what i mean like if you not right. not not saying you shouldn't have a savings account or that you shouldn't make smart decisions or anything like that but if you know something's the right way people pe people approach these things in two very vastly different ways and i don't understand the former one is like i'm, I'm going to try this and if it works out that'll be great and the other one is i'm going to accomplish this and for them it's like one of those maze drawings, like a game you play on, like, I'll find a way to get there, right? I, I know that there's a way to get there. I'm going to find that way. And that's the end of the fucking conversation right there, right? But it's just going right. to, it may take some small amount of time or it may take a long time, but I'm going to accomplish that goal. <clears throat> that's a mindset that you get to choose, you know? Like, you don't, it, it's, pe people aren't born with one or the other. Like, you're certainly influenced by the people who raise and mentor you and shit like that. But if you're listening to this now, you have the opportunity to, to look at that person, look at Tim Kennedy. Not everybody's going to have the same genetics, right? You might not be able to achieve the level of physicality that Tim Kennedy does, but you can achieve that level of drive through effort. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I see it a lot with people who compete in jujitsu, right? And people do this with other things in life, you know, and I'm not saying in jujitsu, you have to compete a lot, but let's just say we have someone who wants to compete twice a year. So every six months, they, they mark their calendar and they build themselves up to that one day, that one time they diet, they, they have a little training camp that they're doing, they're, they're focusing for that one championship, right? Well, when that day comes, 
I mean, I don't know. It just might not be your day. You might be sick. You might what you may run into a to a beast, right? And if you're putting everything into that one tiny little thing and that's it, it's do or die on that one thing. If you get success, you think you're great. If you fail, you think you're terrible. And it's to me, you're almost setting yourself up for failure because you're putting way too much onto that. Where when I was competing virtually every weekend, right? I mean, I had a weekend, you won't believe it, right? I had a weekend I went from Chicago to Charlotte, competed on the Saturday in Charlotte, flew from Charlotte to Los Angeles and competed in uh, Los Angeles on the Sunday. Mm. So I went across the country in one weekend and did two different championships. And, you know, I learned the most competing every week because even if I made a mistake and I lost or, you know, lost in the final or, or didn't get on, you know, on a podium or, or whatever the case was, it's like, perfect. Now I get to go back to the academy, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, figure this piece out, get ready for next weekend, rest and think about it on Thursday, fly again on Friday and hit the mat on Saturday at the next competition and, and write that. And, and it, and it added to like an even, an even bigger goal than if I just would have put one date on a calendar, mm. you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. And it's, you know, good to challenge yourself like that too. You know, every now and again, like we get, we get into routines, um, and sure. those are good things, right? Like we, we intentionally build habits cause habits are important. It's, it's like, um, you can think of habits as your operating system though. Like think of, think of a computer. My operating system is whatever OS Mac OS this is, but the individual apps, like the individual tasks that you're doing, those are, they, those are the things that you want to do intentionally. You can't do them effectively unless the operating system is functioning properly, unless those habits are in play. But right. it is very easy to, for people to fall into a trap of just going through the motions every day. Okay, and now I've got all this figured out. And um, <clears throat> I think it's another part where the purpose gets zapped out of you. You know what I mean? Like you're doing all the right things, but you're not actually, you haven't taken that next step yet. And that's, that's a really dangerous position to be in because everything is, seems to be going really well and you're still fucking miserable. That's when I, I have a lot of friends who have killed themselves in that particular position. Right. Everything is going. It's not like they just lost their job. They they may have recently gotten a better job. They're in a good position. They've got a wife and kids. Everything is perfect except for inside their own head. You know what I mean? Yes. And that to me is probably oh, one of the more dangerous positions to be in. I, yeah, I agree. And, you know, it, it's, it's so puzzling, though, isn't it? Because, say, guys like us that have experience and have went through some stuff at relatively very young ages, you just, you just, I, I get puzzled by it. Cause it's like, how did that guy not see it? Or, or how did I not see it and be able to tell, you know what I mean? It's, it's a very, it's a very tricky thing. You think if anybody would be able to figure it out, guys like us would be able to figure it out. And look, I mean, I've, I've been there too. I've been completely lost and, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of so far removed from that now. It's hard to go back and really relate to what I was thinking and feeling at that time. But I probably was so lost. I couldn't even articulate it. So it's like, how do we crack that code, right? And and everybody talks about diet, exercise. Sure, get that going. And I like what you said about building the operating system. It's like, get that operating system built up and then start adding different apps, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and and that's a great way to look at it. And I think we're at the point now where I think the the knowledge, the the kind of programs and, and the awareness of getting the operating system correct is out there. Mm -hmm. um, but now we need to start 
going one step farther and start, okay, well, what can I do once I'm stable to, to keep me going? Because you're right. There is so many people who seem to have it all together. They've come through some stuff and then that's the point where, where they break, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I think about people like, um, if you want to talk about famous people, this has happened to, um, <clears throat> like Kate Spade, the designer, right? Yeah. Bill, yeah. billionaire like how how could a billionaire kill themselves that should be impossible right well of course not of course and people that have been through that um in that headspace know that it's not impossible right but to the ex, to the outside person like that how could or anthony bourdain right living uh, living yeah, his but... literally living his dream right i know he had some relationship problems but literally living his dream as a human being still was uh able to succumb to that stuff it's like, yeah, that stuff doesn't mean anything. That's that's your baseline. The, the thing about Bourdain, the thing about Bourdain too, and I, you know, I was blessed enough to be able to spend some time with him, um, very short amount of time. But you know, I think he knew how important he was, and what he was doing was was incredible. You know, I mean, it really was. His work was was really incredible, and I think he I think he understood that. So. And, and he knew the importance of it and he knew his place in the world and and you could see that in him and again he was getting into jujitsu he was doing really well he was competing he had he had lost the he had changed his whole entire life around and then yeah that was a that was a surprise you know and that was a that's like man that guy and and he saw it i mean i don't i don't know kate spade i don't kind of know too much about her personally maybe she just was so disconnected from her success or didn't realize she was very influential very important in the world of fashion and all that but bourdain was a guy who really kind of understood his place and and knew he was doing some re like revolutionary type stuff in his field and yeah it's like you just it's a head scratcher yeah yeah so i mean you know I'll, I'll bring it back to what you said about books and chapters in life. You know, the, the book is your life, but you got to know when it's time to, to move on to that next thing. And it's not always easy. You know what I mean? Like you, we, we have, uh, we have a lot of, um, you know, just anxiety about what comes next, you know, um, imposter syndrome, like how, how, who am I to be doing this thing or, or, uh, you know, people with a moral injury, maybe, or people who are ashamed of, like, my life was going pretty well, and I was just a miserable cunt for a couple of years, and now I'm ashamed of that. It's like, all right, man, I mean, I get it, but shame is like anything else. Like, you know, if you're a fat piece of shit and basic, your your drill sergeant is shaming you because you have to get in shape, right? That is the stick, and the carrot is looking good in that uniform later on or, or feeling better about your life, but, you know, like any other emotion or whatever, it isn't intrinsically good or bad. It's what you do with it, right? So it's like you got to get in that mindset. You have to, you have to dispassionately evaluate your position in life and say, okay, right. I've, I've done X, Y, and Z. Do I am I am I am I treading water here? Do I need to move on? Do I need to keep doing this? Um, I think it's important to to reevaluate yourself on a pretty regular basis um, for for that reason. Now, you after having success. Um, as a practitioner of jujitsu and then as a, a, a teacher, when all this shit, I mean, it became pretty obvious in the middle of 2020 that the current infrastructure of the United States government was incompetent, right? Incapable of dealing with some of the challenges that are coming up. And we saw that to be true in Afghanistan. Um, we saw it to be true in Africa a couple of times, and now we're seeing it again. Uh, we saw it in Ukraine, we're, now we're seeing it again in Israel. So you started Overwatch Foundation. What
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Is that like, like a, what, what exactly, what, what was the first thing that happened that you were like, all right, we got to start this fucking company? <laughs> so, yeah, it didn't happen like that. So, um, when the Afghan thing happened... And, and again, I, I had been fairly disconnected from the community and from other veterans. I recently started to plug back in a bit, you know, and 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 was around guys and, and all that kind of stuff. And when the Afghanistan thing happened, and, and let me tell you this as well, like, regardless, take politics out of it, take politicians out of it. Mm. From 2016 to 2020, you know, as far as like America, American principles and that kind of stuff, the country was kind of doing quite well after, you know, 2008 to 2000, like, or 2012 to 2016. It, it really, there was a, there was a bit of, of uh, a corner change happening. And, and I, I think we seemed like we were on the right track as far as economically and all this kind of stuff and internationally. And then when 2020 happened and, and the Afghan thing was approaching, it just, it really kicked me in the nuts. I, I, you know, like I was sick to my stomach about, it. I, I never served in, in, in Afghanistan. I was in Iraq mm-hmm. and, but obviously I knew a lot of people that did and, and it was obviously part of the GWAT. And I just, I said, you know what, this is just, it's too much. It kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I didn't even know I had a bunch of straw on my back. Right. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and I wanted to get involved and, you know, was looking at doing the stuff going over Afghanistan, all of that. And, went to Virginia beach, had some meetings with some people and all that kind of thing was going on. And, and the Afghan thing happened. And then after that, the a hurricane came, the hurricane Ida. Mm-hmm. And I just grabbed a bunch of guys that I knew and said, let's just go and be there at zero hour of this hurricane. And let's just help people. You know what I mean? Let's just, we've, we've done some stuff with the Afghans. Let's just see if we can help people here. And mm-hmm. we just hopped in a truck and drove South. We had no idea where we were going. We had no plan. We said, we have 18 hours drive. We'll figure this out, right? We have plenty of time to plan. And that's what we did. And and we went, we did two trips to that hurricane and we helped a bunch of people. We were not the Overwatch Foundation. There was no thought of the Overwatch Foundation. We were just four or five guys that hopped in a truck and literally drove south. And and I saw what we could do and it was, okay, This there might be the beginning of something here, you know? And then we took guys up to Fort McCoy, Wisconsin, because they moved all the Afghans to, to different places uh, around the country, if you remember. Yeah. So we went up there. We were working with the big army. We were working with uh, the State Department and with Save Our Allies and a couple other organizations. And um, and we were just we would go into the Ville. Like they had these, you know, the old, I don't know if you've ever been to Fort McCoy. Mm. We used to do cold weather training there. But they had those old, like, barracks, almost like, boot camp style barracks up there and that's where they had all these people and they were putting people from different tribes in the same thing they were putting single males in with families they were it was a disaster they didn't even teach some of these afghans how to use a toilet these are people that had never seen a toilet and they're standing up the sinks are getting ripped off the wall because they're standing up on the sinks trying to piss in the sink they're washing their clothes in a toilet it just and it wasn't the army's fault it wasn't the state department's fault it just it was that's not what they do. And and I think it was the 101st was there at the time. 
and they they didn't want to be there obviously that's not their job to to kind of deal with that kind of stuff and and it just it was a nightmare and we were able to kind of make a difference up there and and we actually found we 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 found someone in one of these little uh communities that they had up there it was a female and she actually had ran as for president of afghanistan mm. and the state department didn't know she was there they didn't know she was there and we found her because we just went out into the community and just started talking to people. There were people there that speak better English than you and I. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely better than you. you know, it was, <laughs> yeah, better than me for sure. But it was, it was incredible. And and they're like, you know, I was, I'm like, yeah, but are you from America? You're just Afghan nationality. No, no. And I and I've worked for 15 years, 18 years with with, uh, you know, these guys and this group and this American group or this British group. And it was it was incredible. And. And so then I saw, okay, we can do some unconventional type things here. Like we don't, we're not the guys that are going to go to a hurricane and hand out water bottles or towels or blankets in a gymnasium. And I'm not knocking any organization that Mm -hmm. does that or any people that volunteer to do that. That's needed. But our guys can do so much more than that. And I started to see it. And then when we went to Ukraine the first time, I don't know if you know the story, but a friend of mine in the academy, he's from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. He hadn't been home to Ukraine in 11 years and uh, the war kicked off. And so first couple of days of the war, when the war actually was declared, you know, he's, he's a new, he was at that time a new American citizen. I was teaching him how to shoot. He had just got his concealed carry. So I said, let's just go to the range and get your mind out of the phone, off the TV for a couple of hours and we can train it a little bit, you know? And so we did that. And then we came out, came out to the parking lot and he goes, I think I'll, I want to go home. I want to go see my family. I said, you can't do that. Like you don't know anything about what's going on. You've never been in the military. You have no experience with this kind of stuff, but he was determined. And I said, let me see if we can set something up to get you there and get you back safely. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It was just keep making sure a friend was okay and coming back. So I grabbed another friend of mine and, you know, 18 hours later we were on our way um and and we built a network there and you know we've done six trips there we've done all kinds of training there we've helped so many people there um and we're still planning some other stuff um there after that and it was after it was during that first trip where i said we had no plan in doing anything we we stopped through the country um you know we would go in through romania and it's like an eight, nine, 10 hour drive, depending on how many times you stop to get to the Ukrainian uh, border. And we were stopping at every roadside pharmacy and just raiding them for like anything that we could make an IFAC out of, you know, gauze and, and all kinds of stuff. And the Romanians are kind of looking like, are you guys going to be able to pay for all this? We're like, yeah, no problem, you know? And so that, and that was it. We were just going to grab some supplies and do like a, a little dump of those supplies wherever we could find a place to need it that would need it. And then when we got to his town, the local kind of the army commander there and some other people found out we were there and said, look, can you help us? And we just kind of said, well, we're going to be here for the next eight days taking care of him. Sure, we'll help you. Mm-hmm. And then that's when um, that's when I said to my, my business partner, I said, look, we can really do something with this. Again, we were not the Overwatch Foundation. I actually signed the papers to start the actual... Uh, company, the entity, when I was in Ukraine, he emailed them to me, I signed them. And so from then on, we've we've obviously built it up. Um, and, and you know, we did Hurricane Ian as well down in the Fort Myers area, which was a terrible tragedy down there as well. And then we started kind of building uh, up what we have now in Israel. And it's just been, it's been incredible. People are supporting us. We're, we have amazing veterans that are on our teams that are that are doing the work and they do it for free. And they're 
they're happy to do so. You know, I'm I'm thinking I'm gonna have some difficult conversations with these with these studs to to try and twist their arms to come for no fee when you know think of the old contracting fees where you're getting eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars a day and and I'm asking these guys to to go to some of these places for for you know for dinner basically you're you're not getting anything out of it other than a hot dinner and and they're saying yes happily and we're doing incredible things and and the guys are so excited and we're just expanding and expanding so it's it's been it, it, I never thought you know it wasn't like me and my business partner sat down and said let's start a non-profit that's going to do this and going to do that and going to help people around the world and all this kind of that was not the idea it just kind of happened you know yeah yeah i mean that's the <clears throat> that's kind of the story of uh of america i think right it's like uh our this younger generations and even large swaths of our generation, they don't have the same pride in the country, you know what I mean, that we did or that we continue to. Um, and I think it's because they see America as some kind of external entity of some sort. Like, not it's not me. I, I, I just exist here, but I'm not part right. of this, you know what I mean? Yes. America yeah. is our borders or our politicians system of government or <clears throat> you know the institutions that are inside the country but that's not right man america is you it is every one of you uh and it'll be great or not based on how you behave right right you, you know what's a, a very interesting fact people bemoan the amount of taxpayer dollars that go overseas and they should. We shouldn't be doing any of that shit, especially now. Um, right. But the fact is, when there's a global natural disaster, other than the U.S. government, the largest uh, charitable organization on Earth isn't the U.N. or the WHO or any of those organizations. It's the private American citizen that gives more money to people than anybody else. Yeah. Um, and it's, to me, that's what makes the country great. You know what I mean? It, that's what would make any country great. It isn't unique to America. Any country can do that shit. Um, it is like you you are the person you are for real, the real person you are when things are bad and other people need help. That's that's yeah. when, that's when That is when character is revealed. Yeah, to me too, now that I've been doing this, you know, and, and you could say this is a habit for me now, but... <laughs> It's hard to explain, like it's hard to articulate, but to me, it's not me doing it. It's not us doing it. And, and and you know, in the beginning of this, I told my partner, I said, look, we can do this if we're going to structure, because how are we going to structure this? Are we going to do it as a nonprofit? Are we, how, you know, um, and that's the way we went. We went 501c3 and we got that that approval, went through that process and that, that's incredible. And we, we can offer a lot being a 501c3. Mm -hmm. But I said, I don't want to be the face of this. I don't want anybody to be the face of this. I want us to be kind of the, the gray men just going and helping people. And obviously, being a 501c3, you kind of have to get out. You have to raise money. I know nothing about raising money, right? I'm terrible at that. You can put my feet anywhere and we can figure something out. But trying to bring a dollar in is is difficult for me. Um, and, and I think it always will be. It's not my strong suit at all. But somebody has to get out there and tell the story. And Ominous Dominus, I was the one that was picked because I, I'm passionate about the thing and I can tell I can tell the story because I'm there, right? And and so begrudgingly I've done that, but we I don't see it as me. I don't see it even as us or our teams. It's like that thing that we did just had to be done, right? Mm -hmm. it, it those people needed help. 
and we just went and helped them. It's not about us. It's about the fact that those people needed help and somebody needed to to answer that call. It just so happened to be us, right? right? I mean, and so I think that's obviously we're not looking for fame out of this. Again, we're we're not looking for a paycheck out of this. Um, we're just at this point now, we do have some infrastructure that we've bought. We're just trying to keep the lights on and all that kind of stuff and and turn, you know, the money back into the, the projects and, and to, to the work that we're doing. But I think a lot of times too, people say, Oh, but those guys they're warmongers or they're trying to do this. It's like you have no idea. Like you have absolutely no idea. It couldn't be further from the truth, right? I mean, whether it's Ukraine or Israel, I'm working on two different time scales. We're, we're getting ready to go back here in, in a few kind of soon, very soon. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm working both both hours, Israel's hours and our hours, trying to coordinate everything and, and do all this kind of stuff. It's not easy to do this. And I have a family. I have kids. I have a regular day job. I have a business. I, you know, I have all this kind of stuff. It's like it'd be very easy for me not to do this. But when you see people that, are vulnerable and they really do need help. Like they genuinely do need help. It's like, how could I just sit and watch it on, on the news? You know what I mean? It's, it's I, I couldn't imagine doing yeah. that anymore. Yeah. There's no way. Um, and it's good that, you know, it, it seems like more and more people are getting involved in this stuff now, which I like. Um, and speaking of that, before we get out of here, tell everybody where they can find you and where they can uh, get involved in whatever way, whether it's volunteering or donating or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, so they can go to uh, my Instagram is Mark Turner BJJ. All the links are there. We, we try and put out as much content as we can so so that people can see what we're doing and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, the, the links to the website and everything's there. You can donate. We have a couple of different ways to donate. Obviously, you can just make a donation. You can join. We have a subscription program where you can donate daily, like 15 cents a day or sorry, 50 cents a day or, or, or a dollar a day. So it's $15 a month or $30 a month that you can just contribute very small amount. And the idea there is we get enough people hitting base hits that it turns into a home run, you know? Um, and, and, and that, that's kind of the biggest thing. If you are a, a veteran and you, you know, you want to join one of our teams, we have an intake form on the, um, on the website, you can just fill that out. It will come to us and we'll kind of process that and, and contact you if, and when we, we need you and you fit what we're looking for. Um, and, and that's it. It's just trying to spread the word. If you could follow me on Instagram, follow the Overwatch Foundation and just kind of share what we're doing. It's, it really is incredible the amount of work that our small teams can do in a short period of time. It's, it's been, it's been incredible just to be a part of it and to witness it. And um, we want people who donate to us, we want them to try and be involved as much as possible and see as much possible of what we do. And so we try and be very transparent and open with content so people can see that. Sweet, man. Well, you guys are uh, doing good work, running a good program. I appreciate you coming on today to have a conversation about it. I'm not sure that a lot of people are read in on, on some of this stuff yet, but it is there. there's a number of organizations now, you know, taking it upon themselves to, to help people around the world, and yours is certainly one of them. So I appreciate you coming today and discussing it. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I mean, you've had some incredible people on your podcast, you know, and, and a good friend of mine, Brian Callen, has been on your show um, you know, and so it's, it's an honor for me to be here. So thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Anytime. And uh, thank you all for watching. This has been Citizen.